summer, as we've looked at the passages on the life of David, the pastors have each been assigned a length of passages that we extract the story from. I got assigned chapters 18, 19, and 20. So I want you to appreciate that after last week, I just zeroed in on five. I thought you all would appreciate that, not having three chapters read to you. But the first five verses of these passages really, really lay out the whole plan um, of what we're going to be talking about today with spiritual friendship. I want to ask you these questions. Who is that one friend? Maybe you have two that you know have made you who you are. Who is that person that you have trusted with hard things about you and your life and you with them? Who has kept you from making regretful decisions? Who has listened to you just to listen and not to fix anything? Who has pushed you towards something even though it was a great cost to you? My answer to those questions is one name. See if that comes through. It's Pam Harmon. Guys, don't laugh, okay, at that picture. This is a throwback picture. This was taken the summer after my college graduation. But this is my friend Pam, and our uh, friendship actually started five years before, right before we were seniors in high school. We met in the airport in Syracuse, New York, when we were both uh, getting on a plane to go to Young Life Saranac Village, where we were going to be on the work crew for four weeks. Pam grew up outside Chicago. I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. She went to college on the West Coast. I went to college in the East. She married Mark and had two sons, and they spent more than two decades in the inner city of Washington, D.C., doing urban ministry. I married Mike, and we had two kids, and our path was church ministry. We are the same in so many ways, and we are so completely in many, uh, many others. C.S. Lewis has a simple quote that I think many of you are familiar with. It's a quote about friendship, and it says this. Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. <laughs> Pam and I are not sure when that moment happened, but we know that it did. For almost 15 years or more, Pam has been the national director for Capernaum, which some of you know is the arm of young life that does ministry with students with disabilities. Pam is really, really good at what she does, and I am so very proud of her and to be her friend as she has made that journey. And here we are today. Now, I really want you to see and say to yourselves, wow, they are really aging well. <laughs> so that was taken in April. We were at a conference together in Nashville. So then, just thought I'd throw that one in there. We've never lived, we've never lived in the same city. We've never been able to say, hey, meet me at Starbucks in the after this afternoon. We've never even shopped together. The closest we've ever lived geographically is when Mike and I lived in Memphis, and Pam and Mark lived three hours up I-40 in Nashville. We know that at some point, God nudged us, and we made the decision and determined that we would be the person who would get the phone calls about life's struggles and challenges, as well as the celebration moments. I was driving up I-40 to see Pam one day, and she called me before I got there because she had just gotten the call from her son letting her know that she was going to become a grandmother. It threw me off so much, I had to stop at a rest stop and just sit there because I'm going, how in the world do I have a friend old enough to be a grandmother? 
But this last year, those phone calls were about how to engage with her father as he was moving towards the end of her life, as his, of his life. And that call came just a few weeks ago. I was right there. It was as if I was in the room with her. I knew it was coming, and she knew who to call. It was about six years ago, really probably about this week, I imagine, that we were both sitting in the Germantown Cafe in Nashville where I broke the news to her that we were moving to Greenwich, Connecticut. She repeatedly said, no, Jack, you're not doing that. No, no. She says, we are finally near each other. But by the end of the meal, she wanted to know what was going to be the closest airport to fly into. We have been in each other's lives in real and important ways for 44 years. It has been an enduring spiritual friendship. And I can say with a deep knowing that it will bear the imprint of God on us for the rest of our lives. That's the wonder of such a friendship. I hope that as I introduce you to my friend that you've been thinking about your own Pam. I also know that there are others of you who are wondering why you don't have a friend like that. And is it too late to have one? The worst solitude is that is to have no sincere friendships. And some of you know what that feels like. In recent months, I was with some of you, and one of the things that came up in the conversation was how lonely you are. How hard it is to find friendships where we live. How hard it is to have those that you can trust and depend on. And I will admit that I was completely dumbfounded because I was looking at individuals who are incredibly delightful, a lot of fun, engaging, good thinkers, and committed Christ followers. And it occurred to me, if this is how Christians are feeling in Fairfield County with all that we have and all the options that we have to connect with one another, what about those who are trying to make a life on the outside of these sanctuary walls who have an even greater sense of aloneness. Here's the good news and where we're going today. God knows how we feel, and he wants to fill that empty space in a, in a unique way. Friendships matter to us, but let me tell you that friendships matter even more to God. It is true that who we walk with in our lives determines not only where we are going, but why we are going. And as we look at the passage this morning, there are two things about God and his way with us that we need to remember. God is always about our good, and he is always about his glory. And too often we make the friendship of Jonathan and David to be a story for children. But the truth is that this story, this friendship, tells us something very important about how God moves in and through us. And that spiritual friendship is used by God to transform us to be more like his son for our good. And it is an essential way that God brings forth his purposes for his kingdom, for his glory. When we were in the story last week, we saw that David trusted that the battle belonged to God. And Goliath was struck down with a slingshot and a well-thrown stone. The present King Saul and the heir apparent, his son Jonathan, have witnessed the battle and the victory. And David stood before Saul with the head of Goliath in his hands. Can you even imagine the scene? And Saul sees that and he decides that he did not want to let David out of his sight. He wanted to make a place for him in the palace. He knew this was someone he needed to keep close at hand. While Jonathan is witnessing the exchange between his father Saul and David, 
Something unseen, but no less real, takes place in both Jonathan and David. A, a spiritual friendship was begun. And as we look together at this brief passage, we're going to find that the marks of such friendships can, will be able to be seen in four unique ways. So if you have your Bibles, open those up in front of you, and we'll look at those verses together. Beginning with verse 1, we see that in spiritual friendship, we love the others with our souls. Look at that verse. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan and David did not make their friendship happen. It came from the guiding hand of God. Jonathan had been struck by David's unswerving commitment to the glory of God. He could see that, and he had seen that commitment to God in action. But Jonathan had also displayed his character so that David's heart went out to him. When someone else loves the Lord God with all their heart and is seeking him just as you are, you are drawn to the sacred place of their soul, and they are drawn to yours. What is alive in you is drawn to what is alive in the other. And being knit together in your soul links you to each other in ways that cannot ever be separated. But even with this connection that these two men had, we should really remember that this was the most unlikely of friendships. These are two men who by all rights should have been intense rivals. They were both warriors. They were both strong-willed. You know that about David, but let me remind you about that about Jonathan. He was also a warrior. In 1 Samuel 14, we find that Jonathan took out an entire outpost of the Philistines with only his armor bearer by his side, killing 20 of them. Jonathan had been raised to be the next king. It makes no sense for them to be friends, but these are two men that while they should have been enemies, they are now connected deeply in their souls. In the days to come, this friendship would surely become an anchor for David's soul, a spiritual lifeline when everything is coming at him. I love the way Eugene Peterson talks about it in his book, Leap Over a Wall. It's a wonderful book about the life of David. Peterson writes this. He says, I think that Jonathan's friendship entered David's soul in a way that Saul's hatred never could. Think about what that says to you and to me when we have such a friendship. The soul connection is stronger than any hatred or any evil that can ever come our way. And look with me at verse 3. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. In spiritual friendship, we love each other in covenant. A spiritual friendship is one that is bound by either a recognized commitment or a covenant. Sometimes spoken, it's usually simply recognized. The friendship of Jonathan and David tells us there is something really, really important about living our friendships before God with a covenant intention. Just as God binds us to himself, he is always our father, he is always the son to us, he is always the Holy Spirit taking care of us by the covenant he has made with us, so a spiritual friendship is grounded with the same type of covenant. We are not just friends because I like you and we have similar interests, but we resolve to be friends before the face of God. 
Jonathan is saying, David, you and I are knit together as brothers, and that is stronger than my relationship with my father, King Saul. And I promise, whatever happens, whatever my father does, whoever the people cheer for, regardless of if one of, one of us is up and one of us is down, you can count on me. I am for you. I am your friend. This is my covenant and my vow to you. Have you said this or expressed something similar, a covenant committal to a friend? Maybe not in those exact words, because hopefully you do not have a parent who is bent on destroying and killing your good friend. <laughs> but have you made it clear to a friend that you can be counted on, that you are with them no matter what comes? Spiritual friendship does that. It makes that kind of commitment to another. And look with me at verse 4. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. In spiritual friendship, we lay down what is ours for the sake of the other. This was not a casual thing that Jonathan did, far from it. You see, Jonathan recognized that God had called David to be king. And he wanted David to know that he sees it. And he wants to bless it. And he wanted David to have all those things that would be necessary to fulfill God's purpose in his life. So he stripped himself of his role as the prince in line to be king, and he takes off the robes of royalty. Now, please listen to this. This is really important, I think, in the passage. This is an important moment as it moved God's purpose forward in the greater story of redemption that he is telling. Did you hear that? God uses a friendship to bring about his purpose to restore our relationship with him. Jonathan handed over his weapons. Jonathan, as chief prince, he would have been considered to be the commander-in-chief under the king. He took off his arms, his sword, his bow, and his belt, and held it together and gave it all to David. Here, you're going to need this. This is who you are. Jonathan's friendship came at such a great personal cost to him. And, and as he took off all the signs of what he thought had been his destiny, I think he was saying something like this. David, when I look at you, I see a king. I see God's anointed. And I want you to know that I celebrate it. I step aside. David, my friend, I want you always to remember who God made you to be so that every time you wear this robe and every time you draw this sword, I want you to remember what I see in you. Remember what God sees in you. And don't settle for anything less. Can you even imagine how that impacted David? The former shepherd boy standing before royalty and being told of his unexpected destiny by the very one he is displacing. And finally, let's look at verse 5. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war, and this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants." I really think, and I hope you can see this, that David would not have been David without Jonathan. This is a friendship that was for their good and for God's glory. 
Jonathan fully wanted David to be who God had called him to be and to do what God had purposed him to do. And as the story continues through those chapters that follow, we will see that with Jonathan's friendship, David went out under the command of even a wicked king and was successful wherever he went. That's the wonder of such a spiritual friendship. That's the story. And I want to ask the question that maybe is running through your mind now. Is this just an ancient story? Or is such a friendship like that available right now? Is it available for me? Does God intend to use friendship in my life just as he did with Jonathan and David? I hope the little glimpse I gave you into my friendship with Pam Harmon would make you answer yes to all those questions. So then if that is a good thing, how can I have a spiritual friend? Well, I will admit that this is where it gets a bit hard. Spiritual friendship is not something that is under our control. There will always be an element of mystery, and many of you know that, whenever two people become friends. But it happens to those who are open, who trust, and who anticipate that God would do that for them. What we need most in finding a spiritual friend is a paradigm shift in the way we even think about friendship. Stop asking whether you have a friend like that. Ask if your friends have a friend like that in you. Offer yourself to other people. Serve them. Sacrifice for others in order to be a friend. And perhaps the biggest challenge for us and where we live is to make sure that we have margins in our lives to be available for another. And pray. Tell God about your desire for such a friendship and ask for one. Or better yet, pray and ask God to send you out to be a spiritual friend to somebody else. And now what? And while you may be seeking such a friend, let me remind you that you already have one. And his name is Jesus. That is not just a sweet thought. It's a true, hard reality. Whether you desire to deepen a friendship you already have or you want to seek a new spiritual friend, you do so knowing that all those things that existed in the friendship of David and Jonathan, all those things that you long for in a friend, you and I have now, this very moment, in our friend Jesus. We are knit to him in our soul. Jesus is the son of David who has offered his soul to you as his spirit comes and takes up residence within you. We are bound to him by covenant. Jesus has made a covenant with us and sealed it with his own blood and guaranteed by the power of his resurrection that we would forever be his friends. Jesus is the one who put aside his glory, who sacrificed his life for us even when we were not thinking about him at all. He took the initiative and he laid his life on the cross so that we would have everything that we need for our good. And who is it who seeks your success more than the Lord Jesus Christ? For he has been profoundly successful in the ways that matter most on your behalf. Not only has he been resurrected from the dead, but he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, making it possible for us to follow him into all eternity. There's no other friend like that but Jesus. Friendship with Jesus 
is the most precious thing to us in all the world. May you and I receive it today in a new way, or maybe even for the first time. And may we duplicate it for his glory. Jesus, what a friend for sinners, saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me and he is with you to the very end. Thanks be to God.